Hey Badgers fans, it's John Veldheis from BadgerBlitz.com. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind everyone that if you like the show, to make sure that you're subscribed on iTunes so you can get new episodes right on your phone. And if you like what we're doing here, we'd appreciate it if you left us a review so that other Wisconsin fans can find us in the podcast directory. And if you like the show and want more in-depth discussion about Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting, head on over to BadgerBlitz.com to sign up for a premium membership. It's less than $9 a month and it gives you VIP access to John McNamara's recruiting news and scoops and my insider content like practice reports and game day analysis. Not to mention the Badgers Den, our premium member forum. With so much going on in the world of Wisconsin sports, there's never been a better time to sign up. Head on over to BadgerBlitz.com and click on the subscribe button to sign up today. Welcome back to a, a special season wrap-up edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Uh, recording this on uh, Monday, January 1st, uh, a couple days after the Badgers uh, wrapped up their season with a big 34-24 win over Miami in the Orange Bowl. Joining me today, as always, is John McNamara, publisher of BadgerBlitz.com. I am John Veldheis, senior writer from BadgerBlitz.com. Um, John, how you doing? Happy New Year, uh, first of all. But uh, I, I guess, uh, you know, what... I was down in Miami, so I guess I, I want to make sure that I get your um, take on this game too. But uh, I mean, what did, what did you take away both from this uh, this big win uh, over the Hurricanes for the Badgers, and uh, you know, what what are your thoughts after uh, at the end of the season here? Yeah, I, you know, a great way to to cap off the season um, to get 13 wins. I, I know is big for this team, and you know, obviously big for the program. Um, I guess going into the game, I I, I thought Wisconsin would win. Um, but you know, with, with the way that they played in this game, particularly the second half and you know, the way Alex Hornbrook played, I was really impressed. Um, you know, I was, I was impressed with Miami too. I thought they played a good game. I think they're a little bit better than I thought they would be, um, you know, coming off that beating that they took against Clemson. I'm surprised. I shouldn't say I'm surprised. I just, I didn't know if this, if this Miami team would get up for this game. Um, but I, I think they definitely did with it being in their backyard and, um, you know that you know the turnover that they that they caused on Jonathan Taylor. Um, I think they kind of got them amped up right away. So um, you know, I think Wisconsin played a great game. Um, like I said, I think you know Alex Hornerbrook sur- surprised a lot of people. Um, it's just a, it's a it's a nice way for this senior class to go out. I think this is the winning in this class or um, something along those lines. So yeah, you know, just a really impressive performance on both sides of the ball. I thought. Yeah, I I kind of thought that that um, the the danger zone at the uh the first quarter especially you know when you when you turn the ball over right away on that first possession that was uh really something that I, I didn't think the Badgers could do or afford to do very much if at all um you know with uh, just with how much energy that the, the Hurricanes defense and their team in general just seemed to get from forcing those this year it really seemed like you know if, if they I, I was kind of thinking that they could afford to turn the ball over maybe once in this game um, and still, you know, have a chance. And so when you turn it over right away and, you know, with uh, Alex Hornerbrook's kind of penchant for throwing interceptions this year, you're kind of thinking if you, well, if you, if the Badgers have already given away, uh, you know, one turnover, uh, what's the rest of the game going to look like? But uh, they really seem to uh, flip a switch after um, Andrew Van Ginkle's uh, interception right at the start of the second quarter. And then, you know, to uh, to have the offense, you know, score touchdowns on you know three consecutive drives and have Hornerbrook um, playing so well, at, you know, at, I think that was his best. You know, probably two two or three quarters uh, of football. You know, this season when you consider 
um, the, the opponent that they were playing in the stage. I mean, like, obviously he had a great game against BYU too, but with how bad uh, BYU has looked you know, over the rest of the season, um, I, I think you kind of have to weight the uh, the Miami game much more heavily. And he was really – he was dealing. He was on fire for uh, a good – you know, two or three quarters there. And then, you know, not only to have that good second quarter, but to uh, lead the Badgers back down on another touchdown drive in the fourth quarter to, uh, you know, put the the lead back at 10 after uh, the uh, after the Hurricanes had gone down and hit that field goal um, to kind of uh, make it a little closer. I mean, I think that was almost more impressive. I mean, you know, guys are going to have good quarters here and there where, you know, they're just feeling it and, you know, the, the other team hasn't adjusted to what they're doing, but to uh, to – play like that in the second quarter um you know obviously the the offense stalled a little bit in the third quarter but then to come back and do the same thing uh to you know get that uh, that touchdown drive in there and uh you know put not quite put the game out of reach but make it a lot harder for Miami to to come all the way back i was really impressed with how uh with how that played out and just with the how alex hornerbrook uh, played in general yeah you mentioned the the hole that they dug themselves to be down 14 to 3 and um, you know, I don't know if you guys saw it on, you know, it being in the press box, but, um, you know, watching the game on TV, there's a, a cutaway, and Jack Sitchi is is talking to basically it looks like the entire defense and um, getting those guys fired up. And, you know, then they all, you know, Van Ginkle comes and he, he intercepts that pass, and that kind of really changed momentum of the whole game where, then you mentioned, you know, that they go and uh, I think they score on three consecutive drives then. Um, so, you know, that, that was just the point in the game where, you know, it really could have gone either way. You know, Wisconsin could have got buried there, but, um, you know, they rebounded. And, you know, to be down 14-3, to essentially in a, in a road game too, um, right. was, was I thought was really impressive. And then you, you talked about Hornerbrook. Um, yeah, he, he had a great game against BYU, but like you mentioned, you know, this, the stakes were certainly much higher in this game. And the way he was able to kind of pick apart that defense, specifically over the middle, I thought was really impressive. Uh-huh. Uh, for a guy that's been criticized so much this year, um, for, for him to go out there and have a, a really, really great performance, um, I think it's going to be big for him, you know, not only in the moment, but, you know, in, in, riding into spring camp and the fall camp and the next year um, when an offense could be pretty loaded. Um, but, you know, again, Danny Davis, another guy too. He had, you know, three touchdown catches as a fresh, true freshman. Jonathan Taylor had a good game outside of that fumble. So, um, you know, the offense was was really good in, in a year when the defense is dominated. Yeah, and uh, a guy that I think is uh, getting overlooked a little bit is uh, A.J. Taylor, who I think finished with uh, eight catches for at least at least 100 yards, if not more. I mean, like, he was definitely one of those guys that was working over the middle of the field and, uh, you know, kind of finding – uh, holes in the defense to to get open a little bit and uh, give uh, give Alex Hornbrook a read that he could go to and so I think that just kind of speaks to you know and we'll touch on this later as we we talk about where the Badgers go from here but I think that could just kind of touches on the uh, the amount of depth and talent that the Badgers have coming back to this team specifically at uh, at the skill positions for next year. Yeah, Taylor, another guy. He had eight catches for over 100 yards and a touchdown. And you know, he's someone that really kind of struggled with with you know with drops during fall camp and at the start of the season. Yeah. And you know, him and Danny Davis and and uh, and Pryor, uh, for those three guys to step up like they did with with Quintez Cephas going down midway through the season was was awfully impressive. And you know, to throw Cephas Cephas in the mix with those guys. I know I don't think he'll be able to go in the spring, but you know, for fall camp to have those four back, um, you know, you talk about maybe the the most talented group that Wisconsin's had at receiver in a, in a while. So 
Um, you know, I, really impressive the, what the, the, the way that they played against uh, Miami, which, you know, has a ton of speed, you know, on that defense. You know, these right. are that, – that, that's, that's, that's a really good defense there. And for for the way that they kind of carved them up, specifically, like I said, over the middle, where, where those routes just seem to be open the whole the whole evening. So it, it definitely impressive for those guys. And, you know, really from when uh, Quintez Cephas went down, those guys really stepped up all season. Yeah, and um... – I think the, 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 you, you mentioned the speed that Miami had, and that was definitely something that, you know, in that first quarter or so, you, you looked at how uh, both the, uh, the offense and defense kind of stacked up against each other for both teams, and it really seemed like the Badgers were, were going to be at a, a big disadvantage there because when, they had, when Miami had those big uh, you know, breakaway plays, those chunk plays, it's, it just seemed like they were just, the, the Badgers, I mean, were just a step too slow, whether it was you know, on a missed tackle or uh, – you know, uh, not sealing off the edge or anything like that. It, it, it seemed like that was a, an area where the Badgers were going to struggle. But, you know, and I, I did see that uh, the the pep talk that uh, Sitchi gave, I saw it on the TV copy and I was looking up at a replay. And, uh, you know, obviously it's not like that's going to, you know, help the Badgers uh, speed up and go catch those guys. But uh, whatever he said, uh, it worked to uh, get the uh, the team to uh, kind of spur themselves on to, you know, make the plays that were in front of them and, uh, you know, really – tilt the game back in their favor. Cause I, I mean, like I was, I'm with you. I, I went into this game and I predicted that the Badgers would win. And I felt like they, you know, even playing the game at essentially a road. Uh, well, yeah, I, I think the NCAA did classify this as technically a road game because they were playing um, at Miami stadium, but you know, to do this in front of Miami's home crowd and at their stadium, despite, you know, getting, uh, getting into that hole early. I just, I really think it does speak to, uh, you know, the, the character of um, this team this year in that, you know, you put them, you can put this team in a, a whole bunch of different and challenging situations, but they just sure found a way to, uh, to dig themselves out of it, no matter what it was, whether it was earlier this year or uh, in this bowl game. Yeah. And, you know, you, you talk about the defense and uh, I, I think, you know, credit that defensive staff, obviously in, in Jim Leonard and lots been written about him with him, you know, I think he'll he's going to get offers. You know, every year we know. I think you know Florida State that they talked about this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think it's going to be commonplace for Wisconsin to have to deal with that. You know, each and every year around this time. But you know, they they really seem to the corrected the things that that gave them issues against Ohio State. And you know, really the the middle of the field looked like it was wide open against Ohio State. And um, they looked like they cleaned some of that stuff up. I thought the secondary had a real good game. Uh, Nick Nelson obviously had that busted coverage. Um, right. Where the guy was open in the middle, but other than that, um, they really limited the the big plays that killed them against Ohio State. And I thought they they cleaned some stuff up over the middle, and um, you know credit the coaching staff for for seeing that against Ohio State and and cleaning that up against Miami. Yeah, I'm curious as to um, you know I I. I have to say that I don't think this is the season where uh, Jim Leonard leaves for another job just because it's, you know, he's only been at Wisconsin for two years. And I feel like, you know, the, the Badgers, uh, both uh, Paul Christ and then um, Barry Alvarez will, will know that he's going to get a lot of attention. And so I think they'll see what they can do to, to kind of take care of him and, uh, you know, make sure that he's compensated in a way that makes it, you know, feel like it's it's worth it for him to uh, to hang around at UW for another year. I think the the, uh, the long term, you know, risk for losing Leonard may, might not be um, 
from another college team, I, I do wonder if, you know, given the next couple of years or so, maybe if a, if an NFL job comes calling or something, I wonder if that's something that he might think about, but you know, that's, it's also kind of getting ahead a little bit, but I, I, I feel like the Badgers will find a way to make sure that he's still around for next year. Yeah. It, you know, like I, like you mentioned it, I think the NFL that's, that's always going to be an option. I think that'll be appealing to him. Um, you know, would he leave for another coordinator job in college football? You know, I, you know, how many how many jobs are better than Wisconsin? And you know, with that, you have to consider that he has you know his roots here now. I, you know, yeah. I know that they just built a house, and I think he's obviously playing at his alma mater and in his home state and stuff like that. So, you know, what college job for a coordinator would he would be appealing to him? Would you know would it have to be Alabama or you know Ohio State or a school like that, or would his only move be in college to to take over a program? You know, would he want to do that? So there's yeah. a lot of a lot of question marks surrounding that. I think I think with him, then an NFL job might be a little bit more appealing. But again, I don't know if the, if he wants to take over you know a college program if he sees that in the future. A lot of people I think are hoping that. You know, if he did leave in the college ranks, that you know, it would be to prepare himself as a head coach to eventually take over for Paul Chris, whenever that right. might be. So, um, you know, there's 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 just a lot of scenarios and a lot of ways that they play out. I think the only thing that's guaranteed is that every year you're going to hear Jim Leonard's name pop up, yeah, you know, either for a coordinator job or for maybe a head coaching job or for a job in the NFL. I think. Wisconsin fans are going to have to get used to that. I mean, he just reminds me a lot of uh, Dave Veranda in a couple different ways, and that was that was just something where you know, after the success that he had had uh, at Wisconsin after coming over with uh, Gary Anderson, I mean, you just knew that every offseason there was always going to be some some job that came calling for him or some rumors that a lot of teams were interested. And so, you know, it just comes down to, you know, the Badgers um, doing what they can to uh, to keep him around and on staff. And, you know, it, it, every guy is different. I mean, you just it, – it's hard to say what um, – what is going to attract somebody about a particular job one over the other. Um, and I, I got a similar sense from uh, Aranda that I felt like, the, you know, at the time through those couple of years, I thought the, uh, the most, uh, the likely, um, I guess his uh, a potential landing spot for him is I, I do think he's going to wind up in the NFL at some point. And so, you know, not, not that I was surprised that he left for, uh, you know, LSU with with the contract that they offered, uh, but I, I thought that he was kind of an NFL mind, and so you know in the next couple of years, if he winds up in the NFL, that wouldn't surprise me. And I get a similar sense from you know uh, Jim Leonard in that you know I, I feel like that's something that's going to have kind of a pull for him, maybe not this year or next year, but down the road if he can show that he can, and if he can show that you know he can um, coordinate this Wisconsin defense to a similar result or a good result considering the amount of talent that they're losing from this year's team going into 2018 I mean if he keeps doing that then you're right he's just gonna it's something that Badgers fans are just gonna have to get used to is hearing uh, hearing the teams are coming calling for Jim Leonard yeah I think it's a good segue into you know the next thing we're going to talk about is you know the roster next year and you know Jim Leonard you know, I don't want to say that his his success was because he inherited a great defense, but you know, for his first year, he did he did take over a great defense. Now he's going to have a big challenge next year. Uh, you look up front where they're going to have to replace Alec James, uh, Connor Sheehy, and Chiqui Obasi. You know, three guys who played a lot of football at Wisconsin and been multi year contributors there. Right. Um, you know, if you look at the Orange Bowl, I thought Isaiah Laudermilk and Garrett Rand really played well. Um, those are two guys that kind of battled injuries this year and. You know, maybe you pencil them in as as potential starters at defensive end, and 
in uh, 2018 with uh, probably, you know, obviously Olivier Sangopoulos, you know, being in that nose tackle spot. I think, you know, when you look up front, the most interesting thing will be if, is what they do with Garrett Rand. Now, he's a little undersized to, to play that nose tackle position, but, you know, Anaki Brechterfield talked about that was where he was maybe most comfortable. But, you know, if if I was running the defense, which I never will be, I, I would bump him <laughs> out to defensive end because I think you could compete for a starting job there. I think you'd be all right if you had Rand, Sangopolo, and Isaiah Laudermilk as as your starters next year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it'd be really interesting to see what they do there because they're losing a lot, and there's not a whole lot of, ex- of experience at defensive end. Well, and that's something where um, I I feel like I'm remembering this right. Where the at the end of spring, the plan was that Garrett Rand was going to be a full time D end uh, going forward. But then when you get they got to uh, through summer camp or summer workouts and then started up fall camp and then they had Rand right back at uh, nose tackle and I think a big part of that was because um, I believe that they just didn't see that development from uh, Jeremy Patterson and he ended up leaving the team and so I feel like they were just kind of forced to keep him there um, at uh, at nose and then now with uh, with Bryson Williams coming in and rolling early and you know going to be um, you know not only on campus next year, but here for uh, spring practices, that might allow them or give them the flexibility to um, kind of, you know, put Rand back at end full time. And then, yeah, I, I think Loudermilk is kind of, uh, he's shown flashes. He's had a couple injuries this season that have uh, kind of limited him, but he's he's shown enough to where I think that he can just kind of slot into one of those end spots and and start. So I, I think that's probably the, the combination that I'm going to, uh, predict that we see in spring and fall. We'll see, you know, how injuries and all that, um, you know, kind of, uh, kind of alter their plans if they happen. But that's kind of what I expect is that uh, Rand, uh, Sangapolu, um, Loudermilk, and then you have your backups of, you know, uh, Bryson Williams and, you know, maybe Aaron Vopel gets in there. He was a big body that they're uh, kind of depending on for the future. Some of those other younger guys that are coming in there, but that's definitely a big, you know, spot that they're going to need a lot of production out of from new faces because you know if you remember too the the Badgers um, you know for how experienced uh, Sangapolu is he didn't actually play a whole lot this year just with the 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 offenses that the Badgers um, had to take on they just ended up using a lot of that two four five uh, nickel defense and so they you know they rotated him out and uh, you know saved him for those you know, big heavy hitting games where they really needed a true nose uh, tackle in for that package and so you know or maybe they maybe they find a way to get him on the floor or um, excuse me uh, on the field and uh, I'm thinking about basketball um, maybe they find a way to get him on the field more uh, to kind of you know take some of the pressure off of those new guys but uh, that that it's definitely going to be a really interesting part of the defense to watch just to see what they do and so that's I think that's another good reason why you know the Badgers should be happy that uh, Inoki Brechterfield sounds like he's going to be around for another year or at least I remember they were thinking he might uh, follow Tim Tibisar to Oregon State but uh, keeping him around for another year to get that defensive line set up uh, for for success is uh, I think definitely another key for this team too. Yeah definitely you know I think two things that were important that you mentioned were you know Bryson Williams where you know, he's going to enroll early, and, you know, if you listen to Saeed Khalif, he talked on a Facebook Live video uh, during signing day. Um, he handles a lot of the recruiting stuff for Wisconsin. He, he basically said, like, this guy will help us win in 2018. So I don't think there's a, a way that he comes in, unless he gets injured, that he doesn't contribute. And then, you know, you talked about that that two four five look that they give. So, you know, you don't really need, you know, when Jim Leonard goes to that, you don't really need the traditional three-man front 
you know, a guy like Garrett Rand could play one of those, you know, two down lineman positions, you know, and Song Apollo could, and, uh, you know, the, the other guys we mentioned as well. So, um, you know, when he, when he prefers to go to that, which, you know, I think they started off in that a lot in the Miami game, but then he kind of transitioned back to that 3-4 look. They played a lot of base, more so than I thought they would have, just given Miami's personnel. But anyway, continue. Yeah, so I just, you know, it's, you don't really, you know, I, I think, you know, I know I did. I made a big deal of, you know, you got to have a nose tackle, you got to have a nose tackle. But you talked about, John, if you looked at the way the season went, Song Apollo was on the sideline a lot. And it wasn't because, you know, he's he wasn't able to play or, he, you know, wasn't good enough to play. It was just, you know, it's it's the scheme that they ran mm-hmm. with those two down linemen and, you know, those outside backers closer to the line of scrimmage. So, um, you know, I guess my point is you don't really need that true, true nose tackle. You know, Bryson Williams can be that for you, but, you know, with the schemes that Jim Leonard uses, um, it gives them a little bit more flexibility up front. I think it's just more important that you have what, probably two of guys like that on the team that you can put in there so that when you want to you know, go with your full 3-4 defense, <laughs> you, you can. You have the bodies to where you can uh, match up that way. But you know, with just the development of uh, college football offenses, it's just, it's not the, it just doesn't appear to be the case that even the Big Ten, you're going to have you know, nine games where you need, you know, your nose guard to be on the field for uh, a good chunk of that game. And, you know, I, I think that's a big part of why uh, Sangapolu gets overlooked as, you know, one of the uh, the pass rushers or as being parts of this defense. But he's he's a he's a damn good um, pass rusher when he's on the field. We saw that in this uh, this Miami game too. But, you know, it just – it doesn't match up that way in terms of needing him on to be on the field for, for every game or even for – for um, every snap of the games that they uh, they do play a lot of base for, but it, I mean that that's definitely a the defensive line in particular is going to be a big question mark. Um, you know, if we we stay on the defensive side of the ball, uh, linebacker will be interesting just because the the Badgers have to replace you know uh, Garrett Dooley and Leon Jacobs, so those two outside linebackers. Um, obviously, you're kind of thinking that Andrew Van Ginkle will step into to one of those spots, and you know with how effective he was at making big plays even as a reserve this year you have to think that uh, he's ready for a larger role yeah I, you know the way he played in you know the big 10 title game and then the orange bowl you're you're really excited about what he'll bring in 2018 especially if you can add a little bit of weight you know he he looked thin mm-hmm. this year and obviously you know, it's, it's tough to to add weight uh you know during the season so uh he's he's definitely going to be a guy i think you'll expect to be a leader of that defense this year, um, you know, a lot's going to depend on if TJ Edwards comes back. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know how much more that he can improve or what more that he needs to prove by coming back to Wisconsin. I know that yeah. you know, his, his draft, you know, grade said to come back and get a little bit faster. But, you know, it, after watching Sitchi go down with, you know, two season-ending injuries, you know, obviously a, a good friend of his, a guy that he played right next to, you know, will he take that chance to come back to Wisconsin? Um, I, I think the smart move would be to go to the NFL, but, you know, he seems undecided at this point. But, you know, in the middle, they're, they're pretty deep. You know, if, if he were to go, you, you look at Chris Orr, you look at Ryan Conley, and then Arrington Farrar behind him and, and Griffin Grady. Uh-huh. Um, did I say that? <laughs> Grady Griffin. Um, yeah, I think they'll be okay there. And you look at the secondary where, you know, it's going to be another big test where they have to, uh, be, you know, replace the Charles Jamerson at, at safety who played great after transitioning there from cornerback. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then your two starting cornerbacks with Nick Nelson and Derek Tyndall. Uh, Tyndall's graduating and Nick Nelson's leaving for the NFL. So, surprise, uh, surprise. That, yeah, that, <laughs> that, 
that cornerback position is is all also really young. And you know, I wrote in our in that preview piece for 2018. You know, Dante Carrier Williams is now the elder statesman yeah. in, that, in that cornerback room, and it just feels like you're writing about him as as a guy who just committed to Wisconsin the other day. So um, it, it's a young group uh, right now, and I, I but I think the youngsters that they're bringing in in 2018, specifically Dante Burton, is a guy that could, could compete even for a starting job in, in 2018 because I think that's uh, that position's so wide open outside of uh, Carrier Williams. Yeah, uh, in, in talking about Natrell Jamerson, it's just kind of funny thinking about uh, thinking back to you know spring and fall camp when you're looking at like okay, what are the what are the big question marks on this defense? And you know, when when you the one of the ones that you uh, and we were talking about was can Natrell Jamerson and handle that switch from corner to safety? And the answer is uh, yes, he can. He did it very well. Um, it's got to be one of the more I think underrated uh, you know position switch stories in recent Wisconsin history that I can remember. I mean, like I just I can't remember him having any major issues in coverage or run defense or, or anything like that. Uh, and so, you know, just all, all credit to him for, uh, for handling, you know, a very important part of the, uh, the defense and you know, they're going to miss him. I mean, if for, for a player that, you know, if, if the, you know, the average fan walks away from the game without having thought about Natrell Jamerson once in coverage or anything, that's a pretty good thing. And, uh, I think the, the Badgers will be hard pressed to, uh, to find somebody that can step up and, uh, you know, give that same kind of, uh, same kind of production but I'll be curious to see where they end up looking at that free safety spot uh just because there's a couple candidates that you know they could kind of sort through and choose from but we just haven't seen a whole lot of them I mean like we've seen you know at, at corner obviously Kerry Williams has played uh Madison Cone got into the game in the Orange Bowl at the end uh and played the season as a true freshman so I think of the guys that are on campus right now I would I would imagine that he's going to be in the mix for one of those starting corner spots but we just haven't seen a whole lot of you know Patrick Johnson who played in four games but missed the rest of the season with a shoulder injury or um, Scott Nelson, who redshirted this year, and I mean, he was one of the defensive uh, scout team MVPs. The coaching staff really likes him, but we haven't seen him play for the Badgers really that much. Uh, so I'm just kind of curious what that position, you know, starting next to the uh, to Dakota Dixon is going to look like in particular. Yeah, like you said, it's 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 pretty wide open. Just a bunch of guys who we haven't seen yet. Um, you know, Patrick Johnson, you mentioned Eric Burrell, uh, Scott Nelson was a scout team uh, defensive player of the year. Another pretty high on him. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do there. Um, you know, then flipping to the, to the offensive side of the ball, it's like almost the complete opposite where everyone's they're, back. They're, yeah, every, everyone is back. Uh, you know, you, you look at your one loss, it's going to be Troy Fumagalli. Um, you know, you, you think that Kyle Pennison, a former four star kid, will be able to step in there. And I know the staff just loves Jake Ferguson, too. Um, you know, you talked about Scott Nelson as, as the defensive scout player of the year. Um, uh, Ferguson was for the offense, so uh, he's a big, athletic, pass-catching guy that I think uh, will be able to contribute right away in 2018. I think he'll have two pretty good weapons there with with Penniston and um, in Ferguson as well. So, uh, and then like you know, like you mentioned, John, everyone else is back, and I think you have to look at that offensive line. And when I was doing that depth chart um, for the story that we ran that I mentioned before, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's ten guys that you feel pretty good about like real good about obviously, you know, a lot of those guys have started. And then even 11th guy like uh, Caden Lyles, who right. I know I know the staff just loves. And he's like, you know, he's a guy that could probably play his way into the two deep. 
Uh, if Dieter comes back, you're looking at a guy who probably bumps inside. So, you know, there's, there's, you know, 10, 11, or 12 guys that you feel really, really good about. And, you know, if you look back just, you know, two or three years ago, Wisconsin had a tough time putting five guys on the field at the position. Right. They're so thin there. So, um, you know, the amount of depth and the amount of talent that they'll have there, at least on paper right now, is is pretty incredible. Um, I can't think back to a time where they've been so deep on that offensive line. And, you know, you're bringing back potentially three All-Americans too. So uh, up front, they, they, they just look great right now. Yeah, I um, I was talking to Dieter after the after the Orange Bowl, and I asked him, um, you know, if he had made a decision. He said he hadn't yet. He said he would, you know, decide in the next couple of days. But that uh, the advisory board told him, you know, he got the same grade that Edwards did, which was to uh, to go back to school and you know uh, play his senior season. Um, I think the key in that decision making process for him is going to be can the the coaching staff, you know, uh, make a commitment to him to put him back on the inside. Um, because I think obviously, you know, he knows and the coaching staff knows, and I think the, the NFL scouts that are watching him know that his future at, at the next level is at guard or center, like any, any of the two, it's not a tackle for the NFL. And he did a good job, I think, you know, being pressed into service there and you know, holding down the fort while the rest of their tackle depth develops for this season. He's, I don't think he, I think the, the coaching staff gives him a ton of credit for, um, you know, being willing to make that switch and, and handling his business for the most part. I don't think he was a liability or anything like that, but he's definitely more comfortable on the inside. And so if the Badgers can, you know, I, I, it's, it's tough to say that they can promise because you can't, I mean, you can't predict the future. You can't predict injuries or anything like that. But if they, you know, can make a concerted effort to put him back on the inside, pro- I would imagine probably at, say, left guard, uh, and then, you know, find um, – you know, some, somebody else to step in at tackle, whether that's moving, you know, David Edwards back to the left side, which was the original plan in spring camp was to have David Edwards at left tackle. And then, you know, Jacob Maxwell and Patrick Castle battle for that other spot uh, before um, Maxwell left for uh, injury reasons and all that. But if, if they can figure out a combination where that puts Dieter in a place where he can play his senior season at a position that he feels comfortable at and he can show the NFL what he can do at that position. I feel like in that, that's a scenario where he's going to decide that he can come back and play his senior season. That gives them a lot to work with. The question is just going to be what depth they can you know, use at those tackle spots to kind of make that happen, whether that is you know moving Edwards back to the left side or if Cole Van Lannon can uh, step up and uh, take over that job or – you know, if um, if Patrick Castle, who um, came in for Edwards, who got injured in their Orange Bowl, and I think he kind of held his own in that game for you know being pressed into uh, pressed into action with with Edwards hurt. I mean, they have options there, and I think that's I think it's going to be a good thing for Joe Rudolph as they kind of um, sort through that position. But that, that I think that's kind of what I'm looking at. You know, where the Badgers are, um, or at least the, what kind of decisions they're going to be making in, in the spring and the fall next year. Yeah, and honestly, you could probably have a whole podcast on just the things you could do on the offensive line. Right. Um, I think you're right, John, in saying that. Like, you know, if if Michael Dieter is is to come back, I think he's going to say, "Look, I would I would really like to have a full year of tape of me on the interior uh, to put out there for the NFL if I do come back." Um, so I think that you know, if if, if he were to, he is going to bump inside, and like you mentioned, that left guard spot. You know, even though Wisconsin had Dietzen and and Erdman there. Uh, you know, Dietzen seems to be, you know, he spent most of his career pretty injured at Wisconsin. Um, yeah, I think that, that'd be a nice place for him to slide there. I think Biotis had a great year at center. Absolutely. Uh, so I don't think you move him. 
Uh, and even like you mentioned, you know, what will they do at tackle there? Uh, you know, Van Landen, I think, is a guy that could take that next step. You mentioned Castle, uh, a guy that, you know, is probably penciling at that right tackle spot where he's probably most comfortable. Do you bump Edwards over and, and start Castle, or do you leave Edwards there and start Van Lannan? Uh you, you just have a lot of options there. Um, and, you know, the people that will benefit from that are, are, are the run attack where you bring back, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor, a guy who's going to compete for a Heisman next year, Bradrick Shaw, Chris James, Garrett Groshek, and you're going to add Nakia Watson into that mix this mm-hmm. summer too. So um, that, that run attack should be really good. And like we talked about earlier, John, that wide receiver position is is great too. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. especially if you can get Quintez Cephas back. Uh, you know, I think it's better that it was a broken bone uh, rather than you know any ligament damage there. So right. he's not going to. You know, we won't compete in fall. Or, I'm sorry, in spring camp, but he should be full go. Uh, you know, for for fall. Um, so you'll have those four guys that we talked about at that position, and then you know maybe you throw in a guy like Cade Green too, is a right. kind of that true slot receiver that they maybe don't have on this roster, even though they've had a couple guys do do it pretty well. You know, Cade Green can give you uh, kind of a niche there as a, as a true slot guy, and maybe can uh, help in the special teams. And then you know they're bringing in four guys in this 2018 class. So I think if if you're Ted Gilmore, you probably have the biggest smile in the world heading into heading into this spring and fall camp because you, you have, I know I don't want to call it an embarrassment of riches because some of these guys are unproven, but you got a lot of guys in that room who, who Wisconsin expects to do pretty big things uh, once they get going on campus. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Gilmore and uh, I just want to put out there that he's, he's an underrated guy on the radar of um, somebody that is, I think also going to have uh, people coming and uh, wanting to talk to him to see if he'd be uh, willing to uh, to take another job somewhere else. Maybe uh, maybe this year, maybe next year. But uh, he's done a great job with developing those young wide receivers. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you look at Danny Davis, and I should start. You look at the guys that he's helped recruit. You know, he's he's been in the mix with all these guys that have that he's brought on campus, and really now. Everyone that's playing is is a Ted Gilmore guy. Once you know George Rushing and, and JSPB kind of cycled through, and they weren't you know contributors this year. So you know, every guy that that is contributing right now is is uh, is a Ted Gilmore guy, and that kind of started with Quintez Cephas going down to Georgia, right. identifying him when no one else did when he was uh, when he was a, a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this is all his group. These are all his guys, and these are all guys that he's coached and. Um, like you said, John, that, that doesn't get talked about is, is him potentially leaving for another job and some school offering him some big time money to, to coach their receivers or, you know, I don't know, you know, Gilmore's kind of at the end of his career. What do you want a coordinator job? Um, right. it would, it, it, it'd be interesting there, but, uh, at the time, you know, the Ted Gilmore hire people said, yeah, this is, this is a pretty good hire. He's got, you know, big time and, and even NFL experience, but the way he's coached and recruited, it's just been a it's been a home run hire for for Paul Christ. He's just looked excellent at Wisconsin since he's arrived here. Yeah, and then obviously we'll you know kind of round things out with uh, the quarterback spot where you know obviously I don't think we're expecting much to change uh, just because you know, Alex Hunterbrook will be coming back, uh, especially coming off of a big uh, Orange Bowl game performance. Um, you know that that's always the big question that I get when talking to people about this team that uh, you know just just general fans on the street or you know if, if somebody asks me what i do they you know they follow the team they're always like do you think uh hornerbrook will you know still be the, the starting quarterback and you know next year and i my answer has always been yes because 
there's nobody else in the quarterback room right now who can give the team what Hornerbrook does uh, or just you know showed in this last game and cut down on the the turnovers. Like that's obviously the biggest thing that Hornerbrook needs to work on for his junior season is you know limiting those the turnovers, the interceptions, um, and just making uh, better decisions with the football. But you know, and, and the Badgers would certainly welcome you know Jack Cohn to take a you know take a step forward and you know really kind of push Hornerbrook for the the starting job. But I just don't know that there is going to be anybody in that room who can give the Badgers what Hornerbrook does when he's at his best and not also you know turn the ball over because I just feel like whoever else you know, you can put in there, it's just going to be. Uh, I, I just don't think there's anybody that can do better than him right now. Yeah, I would I would agree and. Um, especially with the momentum he's going to have going in, and how well he played in the Orange Bowl, and uh, you know those things are all big. You know that you know people talk about you know bowl games. Who, who cares about them? You know these are the reasons why you care because if you if you perform like Wisconsin did, um, you know as a whole, you know they were great. And you know individually, Hornerbrook takes this, you know, into those winter workouts and then into spring camp and into the summer. Right. So um, it, it was it was huge for him. Um, absolutely was huge for him. Uh, to to perform as well as he did against against Miami, um, you know, it, it, I don't want to write off Corey Lyles, but you know, I don't I don't know that he'll he'll challenge for the job, you know, this off season. I think it will be you know Jack Cohn. You know, he's the guy I want to see. Um, you know, he's going to go out and take part in his second spring camp, which is big. Um, you know, I, I think he'll have more confidence, obviously. Um, and then you know, I, I think we'll get a real good feeling if he can you know challenge for that job this fall. And if he doesn't, you know, if he's not able to, you know, will they redshirt him? You know, he's, he certainly has that option available to him right. if they don't see him as being someone who can seriously challenge Hornerbrook. But, um, you know, I, in, the, in the story that we did for the preview, I wrote that, you know, he, you know, Alex Hornerbrook silenced some of his doubters, you know, at least until spring camp because there, there's right. going to be a camp of guys that, that are always going to be calling for the next guy. And like you said, John, it's just – I just going through this season, the text that you would get throughout the game, you know, why is Hornbrook in the game? Well, he was in the game because he's the best quarterback hands down that Wisconsin mm-hmm. had on the roster. And that, that may not change next year. Um, right. You know, especially if you can clean a few things up. He, he looks like he's really comfortable passing the ball, you know, over the middle. He, he seems to th- uh, float throws that, that are to the sidelines. And right. Maybe, you know, some of that stuff kind of, you know, you know, fixed or technique or little tweaks here and there. Um, he, he, who's to say that he can't take another big step in his development? So, um, I think you like what you have there. Um, again, my big, like my I, big thing with that is that no, there's just nobody else in the room that can give you what Hornerbrook can give you when Hornerbrook's at his best. And so, when even though he has he made those you know interception mistakes this year, the Badgers were willing to live with it and you know never wavered in you know, their decision-making about who is going to keep playing quarterback for them because they knew that, you know, he's able to play like this when he's on his game. And sure, there are areas to be worked on, but unless Jack Cohn takes a huge step forward and Alex Harnwick doesn't, you know, improve at all, I just don't see it happening. Right. And, you know, and to go into next year, like we talked about with so many weapons around you, you know, why would you do anything to mess with that that yeah. kind of continuity and that momentum? So, you know, unless Jack Cohn really, really takes some big steps forward, and I'm not saying he can't. You know, he's, he's a really talented guy, and you know, he had a lot of big-time offers in, in mm-hmm. high school. But, 
unless he really blows you out of the water. And, you know, I don't think there's any reason Hornerbrook can't take some more jumps to his game. And I think that, you know, with everything coming back and with what he'll have at his disposal, I think he'll take another step. And I think he'll be, you know, I think he'll be really successful next year. Yeah. So why don't we just wrap up here with uh, just kind of a, an overall look at, you know, where the, where the Badgers are at uh, quickly. I mean, this was this was a very interesting season for the Badgers, just because you know, even going in, in into fall camp, you you had to figure that based on their schedule and you know, what they had coming back to the team, that they were they were going to be good, and they would have the opportunity to to challenge for a a, a bid to the the college football playoff. Now the playoff bid did, did not happen. You know they they didn't win the game that they needed to win to get there, but they were in a position to make it and. I guess you know we're into uh, to year three of you know Paul Christ uh, as the the team's head coach. Um, yeah, obviously, I, I think Christ has um, you know silenced pretty much any of the the anti Paul Christ crowd uh, that was out there from when he you know got hired. Not that it was a huge group, but you know there were people that were wondering um, you know how he would do after a couple of you know so so seasons at Pitt. Uh, but I mean, he's he's done a phenomenal job at Wisconsin, and so I guess I'm wondering what you think about where the Badgers go from here. Like, do you, do you think that uh, they can get to a point where you know competing for a playoff bid is something that's that could be a a regular or a semi regular thing, or is it going to be something where they just need to kind of keep you know building their you know that uh, consistency and you know it they might have to wait for a year where a schedule lines up to, to really make it a, um, to really make a, a charge for a, a spot at that and, and wait for the stars to kind of align like that. I, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of curious where you think they're at right now. Yeah. I think that's, that's the biggest question. And that's, that's what, you know, people ask a lot, you know, can Wisconsin now consistently challenge for a national title or I guess a spot in that final four, um, I, I think the answer is yes for a couple reasons. One is they're in the Big Ten West, and you know let's just be honest that it's a way easier path uh, for them to get to the Big Ten title game. Yeah, and uh, you know I, a lot was made about the schedule this year, um, but you know what they they took care of business in every one of those twelve games that they had to. I'm sorry, I guess eleven before they got to the Big Ten title game. But um, if, I think your your path is set where you feel you know, pretty good about getting to that Big Ten title game and then, you know, need, needing to capitalize on that, you know. And then I guess the flip side of it is, you know, with, with how they stacked up against Ohio State, I think it was pretty clear that, you know, Ohio State was more talented on, on both sides of the ball. So, you know, maybe not that they're not there, you know, to that elite, elite, elite level talent-wise because Ohio State is elite across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they stack up with any team – across the country they you know they send 10 plus guys to the nfl each and every year so um i don't i don't know that they're there yet but you know even if you if you look at that big 10 title game they had a chance to win that game down the stretch so can they compete for that you know one of those four playoff spots yes because they're in the west and you know with the consistency that they've had with what paul chris is able to do and you know a lot of that starts with you know we talk about recruiting and if you look at this 2018 class you're like yeah they need probably Bryson Williams to play they need anyone else to come in and, and and step up and play as a true freshman I think that speaks to you know where this roster's at and you know the depth that they have at a lot of positions so 
Um, I, I do. To answer your question, I do think that they can compete for a playoff spot every year. Um, you know, no one's going to be able to complain about the schedule next year because it's a pretty, I guess, normal schedule, you know, strength-wise. Right. Um, but, you know, being in the West, you, you have a shot to go to the Big Ten title game each and every year. And if you capitalize on that, uh, you, you know, you, you'll probably squeak yourself in there. Yeah, I think the um, you're not going to have years like this very often where, you know, your, your non-conference schedule was – it just didn't pan out to um, – you know, to, to have that, you know, tougher game that, you know, gives you a bit of street cred during the, during the season. Um, but, you know, the, the Badgers are still going to make, you know, some attempts to get a, you know, probably one highlight game in their non-conference schedule. I mean, like, that's why they went out and uh, you scheduled that series, the two game series with Notre Dame. They have a couple others that are coming up and, you know, they'll have the two games against the, you know, Florida Atlantics and Utah States, the world. Um, but, you know, with, I think, you, the point that you made about them being in the Big Ten West is is an important one, just because I just don't see any other team in the in the West that is that that can consistently compete for a conference championship like the Badgers can right now. And you know it, that might change. I mean, Northwestern has been you know a good solid team for the last couple of years, and um, Nebraska. I'm curious to see what Nebraska will look like uh, with with Scott Frost, but that might take them a little while to to kind of get going. Um, Minnesota looks far away. Illinois looks far away. Purdue is interesting, um, but I, I, I do kind of wonder how, um, how long Jeff Brom sticks around if he was really, um, you know, thinking about leaving for another job after, uh, after one year in, in West Lafayette. And then obviously I was always going to be there, but I, I think you still feel like the Badgers are a good step or two ahead of the Hawkeyes right now. Um, and so if you're building that out from the base, you know, I, I don't know that they could compete every year because it, it always comes down to, you know, the talent you have coming back. And, you know, I, I think schedules do play a role in terms of, you know, you have the unbalanced thing where, you know, next year they're going to play five Big Ten road games and have just four home games. And so it might flux a little bit every year. But I think I think they're there to the point where, it doesn't have to be a um, – do, they don't need every star to align to, to really compete for that spot. I think that from a talent perspective, they're, they're getting closer. I, I just think that it's just going to come down to, you know, can you take advantage of, you know, your position in the Big Ten West and, you know, capitalize on a year where, you know, you, you've won, you know, the, the road games that you needed to win and, uh, you know, you beat a team like Ohio State or Penn State in that title game. Um, and if you've done enough in the, the rest of your season, then I think I, I don't think it's going to be like a, a once in a blue moon type of thing where, you know, the Badgers missed out on this shot and it's going to be like, well, that's it for the next 15 or 20 years because that's all that's going to happen. But I, I, I think it's – it it just goes to show how many steps forward I think the program has taken over the last couple of years or so where, you know, three years ago after Gary Anderson left, people were, you know, talking about is, has Wisconsin become a stepping stone job uh, after uh, Anderson left for, for Oregon state. And you know, just thinking about that now, I mean, like it, it just seems laughable that, you know, that was, uh, that was where people thought the program was at. And it just doesn't seem like, um, I mean, obviously, obviously, that was 
that was that was incorrect and paul christ has done a lot of things to kind of um you know take the program to the next level and i i guess i'm just kind of genuinely curious to see if the defense can refill uh and you know replenish the the spots that they're losing and the offense can take another step forward i don't see a reason why they shouldn't be you know one of the top ranked teams at least i think like maybe a top 10 ranking for next year or so i mean like i i think they're in a really good spot moving forward and i guess i'm just really curious to see where it goes from there right and yeah i, I think maybe one of the knocks has been like like is is paul chris you know only hired wisconsin guys is he not thinking outside the box but i think he's earned the right to uh to say that every move that he's made has been a, pr- a pretty good one and yeah. uh obviously the pro- programs in pretty good hands with with paul chris at the helm moving forward yeah, and we'll obviously have a, a lot of uh, stuff on the website talking about this as we move forward. A couple of off-season things to note is that obviously the Badgers will be hiring a, a replacement for Tim Tibisar sometime in the next couple couple weeks or months here as they uh, look to fill that spot, and then they'll obviously be making the uh, the hiring of their tenth assistant uh, public in the next uh, couple of days or so. But I think everybody um, kind of expects that to be John Bud Meyer uh, moving him up to be a, a full-time assistant coach after spending a lot of time working with the uh, uh, the Wisconsin quarterbacks as a uh, offensive quality control assistant. So uh, that's kind of the uh, the news that I think people need to keep an eye on other than the uh, um, Michael Dieter and uh, TJ Edwards decisions uh, that they'll be making in the next two weeks because the deadline is on January 15th. Uh, so I think that's uh, that's pretty much it. We uh, depending on if uh, any major news comes up, uh, we will we might uh, do a podcast for football coming up. Uh, but it will probably be transitioning uh, to basketball for a little while, and so we might not be on the the same regular schedule. But we'll uh, we'll still figure out some times to uh, to get some episodes up here in the off season. So thanks again for listening to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast as we wrapped up the 2017 football season uh, for John McNamara and uh, John Mills. I just want to say thanks for for listening during the season. We've got some good uh, download and listenership numbers, but just make sure that you uh, go out and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes when they come up during the offseason. And if you want to head on over to BadgerBlitz.com, we've got plenty of stuff up from the Orange Bowl, including some great photo galleries from our uh, uh, excellent photographer, Dan Sanger, and some good uh, postseason um, content pieces that we've already got up on the site. So head on over and subscribe to that too. Thanks again for listening to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, and we'll talk to you later uh, this year.